welcome. You've got mail. Welcome to another edition of Tech Stream. I'm Seth Everett. He is Shelly Palmer, and we are here live and in color. And uh, don't adjust your sets. We are here as we always have been, uh, right in your ears. Um, Shelly, I know that 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 from your earlier career, you were doing all the jingles for all the news, uh, yeah, all, all, all the news, yeah. and. I, I will say this as someone who cut the cord. We like to call it. We we like to call it uh, sonic branding for sonic news branding. programming. But yeah. I appreciate the idea that you yeah. call them jingles because ultimately they were, you know. Oh, all I did the, not mean the, to demean. The, no, the, no, 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 no. It's the, the theme sense. music, ins and outs, creating, uh, you know, a, a sonic landscape and inst- yeah. interstitials that would enhance the quality of viewers' enjoyment, <laughs> and also, of course from a sonic perspective brand and tell them where they are. You are in the right place for the right. Right, news. right, right. Sure. Right now. Yes. Yes. And so, what, you know what I've noticed over the years, you know, even though I've cut the cord and I, I got rid of uh cable, I got yeah. rid of direct TV and uh-huh. uh, I wound up signing up for Hulu live. Uh, okay. That's just my drug of choice. Uh, I, I right. went for Hulu live and there's a, there's a comfortability that my wife has that I could live without because whenever she's not home, this never happens in our house. And that is the local WNBC channel four in New York is on our televisions. Okay. We see it at six when we're making dinner, we'll see it at 11 when we're getting ready for bed. And it's just what has been done. And what I've noticed is every newscast starts with breaking news even though the breaking news is some guy in Staten Island fell off, fell off a scaffolding. And while I've always heard the thing in journalism school at the famed Syracuse university, Newhouse school is if it bleeds, it leads. That's what I always, what I always heard is it feels a sense of desperation. It feels like they are grasping to hold on to every eyeball they can because with streaming options, so the idea that I can watch anything on Netflix or anything on HBO Max or anything on Disney Plus, I don't need to know about the four alarm fire in the Bronx. And frankly, I, as much as I'm sad for those people, there's literally nothing I can do about it. These local affiliates are under siege, and I don't know who their demographic is. Is it literally just 50 plus people who are just used to it? And having the 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 local news on, and that as FM radio and baseball go, it's going to eventually die out. Okay, so a couple things. One, the news channels MSNBC, CNN, and Fox actually are in 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 stark decline. They are their primetime ratings. Uh, Fox is delivering something like two point one, two point two million viewers. Uh, which is destroying and decimating MSNBC, which is like at 1.2, 1.3 on average any given night. And CNN, believe it or not, the middle ground, which is left-leaning to most, maybe too left for some, is is not poking a million. They're in the 700,000-person uh, range. This is viewers 2554, uh, which is considered the news channel demo. I, I watch this stuff very closely, Seth, because to be fair, I was in the business for years and years and years and years right. of pure television. All my friends either worked there or are now leaving their jobs and retiring. But at the end of the day, 
cable news is is in is in a death spiral because there's nothing about it that is even slightly interesting. It's not news. It's never news. Like no, it's, it's news that there's an the earthquake. Yeah. It's simply opinion shrouded as news in some way. They try to create conflicts. Fox is the most egregious uh, criminal here with, with the with the something they'll report in the morning on an opinion show or they'll do the night before in an opinion show. The next morning, they'll they'll craft as a news item. And to your point, what, where you are absolutely correct is that everything is breaking news now you did to you know the one-armed paper hanger is breaking news the the crash in staten island as as you put it the the issue though uh if it bleeds it leads that that is true tv's audience is aging dramatically and another thing you said that is really important really important if you just think through uh cord cutting the way we understand cord cutting i think you you saw something on the order of five million households leave uh, traditional cable in 2021. I think another 5 million are, are scheduled to go or suspected to go in 2022. Those numbers aren't out yet. Um, if you look at the decade, uh, 2012 to 2022, about 25 million of the 120-ish million TV households in the United States that that had either cable, satellite, or an antenna have been lost. So the cable industry is bleeding subs. Now they're making it up in internet subscribers, right? Because everybody's keeping their internet. Um, it is incredibly rare for a household not to have internet, even though they have given up their cable, unless cable's not available to them. And in those places, uh, Elon Musk has come in yeah. with Starlink and made made a, a viable alternative to someone putting a cable from the center of town all the way out to your farm or whatever, which they could never afford to do. And we're never doing this satellite use satellite had some internet and there were some very uh, expensive internet uh, services. And then whatever you can do a copper twisted pair, because you're not running fiber, you know, 50 miles, 70 miles from town center. People just don't do that. So look, we are, we are coming to a point where, where the TV industry is desperate, but that hasn't changed the way uh, news is presented i think there's another economic factor we need to talk about which is that you're already paying your camera people by the union you're all in new york you are already paying your anchors and your reporters they work every day all day long you know you you work for iheart you got a beat you have to like how many days have we had to reschedule our recording because you've got to cover something for iheart right you're on call it's like oh there's another sporting matter so-and-so can't cover it hey seth you go do it right so there, you're already all the reporters and writers are already on a schedule already on staff uh you know i'm on fox 5 uh new york uh every tuesday morning at 618 is my tech hit, right? I do I do my uh, consumer tech and business and tech uh, hit for scheduled on Tuesday mornings at 618. And a couple times a week, I'm on the 10 o'clock news uh, doing some kind of something. Uh, you know, I'm not on call the same way that the anchors and reporters are, but I do know that the newsroom calls me any time of the day or night if they want me on the 10 o'clock, I'm going to get a call 738 o'clock and, hey, Shelly, you know, can you do this? And they... They've got four or five other people that right, they have. They're looking to the, plug holes and they see yeah, a story. They got, How can we color that story? It's a text. Exactly, story. Let's get exactly, exactly. And, you know, and, and I'm one of the guys on the short list and, you know, contractual on the short list. So at the end of the day, 
everybody to make a news program is on the payroll, three eight-hour shifts, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year long. What is the least expensive thing a local television station can produce since they've already got that sunk cost? So if you don't have programming, you you might as well do news because it, you, you're already paying for it. There's no upcharge to, to having the anchor be on camera or sitting in their office. You're paying them the same amount of money. So here we have a really interesting issue. Whenever you can't find programming, you'll put on news. But you can't just say the same thing over and over and over again. You've got to find something to do. So in New York, there might be a crash on, on Staten Island. There might be a fire in Brooklyn. There might be uh, a shooting or something in one of the outer boroughs or something happens in Midtown, a big traffic jam or the president's in town or something. There's always something in New York. It's a city that during the day has like 16 million people running around. What, what do you do in Deer's Ears, Alabama? There isn't, there hasn't been a shooting on them. There's a fictional city. There hasn't been a shooting in Deer's Ears, Alabama in 22 years. There hasn't been a murder in 50 years of any kind. There hasn't been like, there hasn't been a car accident in the middle of town in Deer's Ears, Alabama in, in, in 2022 yet. So it's like, I don't, that's the news that I find fascinating. Like how they fill that up because they will fill it up. And you're right. If it bleeds, it leads. And so the, the, reality or what that causes is terrible because it makes you feel immediately like you're living in a world that's filled with murderers and muggers yep. and bad drivers who are drunk and arsonists when nothing could be farther from the truth well I, I'll, I'll quote uh from the john oliver show uh he had a had a, a great point they said in Gallup polls of the last 40 years, when people were asked, uh, do you feel there is that crime has increased over the year prior? Every year in the last 40 years, the answer has been yes, except for one year, 2001. Wow. Right? Wow. And, and just the idea that you're perpetuating this fraud. It, it's not that these crimes aren't happening, but that's not what the top things that are affecting me and i'm of this belief and and, and i i kind of want to segue here and that is when we talk about local you know when i care about what's local is i want to know what's going on in my town yes i want to go I, I live in a suburb I, I i live in a town that has uh school projects going on and 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 there there's all this low-income housing where to put it they want to put there in my town they want to put this uh, low income housing on a uh, the site of a recycling center and it's a dump and it's toxic and they shouldn't be doing that and yeah, i'm interested in that that story's never going anywhere i have to look that up to find any anywhere going but i also don't want to feel compelled to find out about what's happening in the bronx tonight i i, I just think that local news is going by way of the dinosaur. It, it just seems like the only people that are watching it are watching it because of loyalty. And what you've seen, and I did a podcast with one of the sports guys at WNBC in New York uh -huh. uh, about three or four months ago. And they were talking about how they're getting less and less time. You know, they're, they're, it used to be sports was five minutes and it's four minutes. Now it's three, now it's two and a half minutes and they're barely 
giving you anything because the reality is, is any sports fan that wants to know what the Yankees did isn't putting on the 11 o'clock news. No, definitely not. I had a fight when I, when I worked for the New York Mets, I had a, a, a famous fight where they were asking me my opinions about what to do with the post game show. Uh-huh. And it, this was radio. This wasn't television, but it was radio. And it was a 30 minute post game show. And what I said that, that I thought we should get rid of was the out of town scoreboard. Interesting. I said, because anyone who wants to know what Cleveland and Detroit did knows already. Yes. And I said, replace it with social media of some kind, meaning, you know, create a hashtag, not my personal Twitter, but create a hashtag, ask questions about the team, like have it be more interactive. Don't waste your time telling me about Seattle and Oakland in New York. You know, we're recording this in the New York area. So that idea to me, it's the same logic to what's gone on with these local news. So local news around the country, depending on your time zone, is it correlates to morning drive and afternoon drive always. They're morning shows. The reason I'm on at 618 in the morning on Fox 5 in New York is that if I wait till the next block, most people who live in the outer boroughs will have to be on a subway or in on a bus in order to get to work. You know, if you're going to be at your desk by 8 o'clock or in, if you're in the suburbs, you got to be in the car by 6.30. So I'm the 618 is the last block. Then when it goes to commercial, most people habitually go off to their whatever they're going to use to get transported to work. But news correlates the the news viewership, and you can see the audience change in the morning. The show that I'm in, Good Day Wake Up, starts at 4 a.m. Uh, the audience is very small at 4 a.m., but by 5 a.m. it's bigger. By 5:30 it's bigger. Six o'clock it's it's right, about more people get up. More people are getting up, right? And then they're getting dressed and they, they leave the TV on. Is it, they want to hear the weather. They want to hear the traffic. Right, you want to hear the weather. Well, that's and, the other one. Television traffic. Right. Television traffic. If you're in your car, you're not watching television. Correct. But that's not for them, right? That's for, I have three different ways to drive to work in Manhattan. And I'm just, I'm shaving and I'm listening to, there's a major crash on the Deegan. Okay, then I'm going to take the Bruckner. I mean, it's like, the, these are the, the kinds of, things that you would it's valuable again, for that but, that, but again, that alone are you not getting in your car and activating ways of course the moment you get in your car you're into a different world and then your ways is going to take you where you're no going. offense to these traffic people but no, they've no, become but, obsolete but they, they are obsolete when you are in your car they're certainly not obsolete staring in the mirror shaving where you're thinking about your commute so yes now here's the thing seth for the last a decade uh, you go to pew you can go to nielsen you can go to comscore they will show you statistically local tv from 4 to 7 p.m the 11 p.m news or the 10 o'clock news choose your slot choose your mornings it doesn't matter morning the noon news break uh they're all down roughly four percent in audience every single year and they age so there's two things going on. You're losing audience to attrition, to streaming, to handheld devices that have the information you need to 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 Amazon Echo products and Alexa voice services. You are you're losing all kinds of of anybody who's there for pure information is gone. So that's why they push so much personality because maybe you want to spend time 
uh, hearing Al Roker tell you something. Maybe he's a guy you trust and know. Maybe Savannah is someone you trust and know. And you just that. So you're more likely to hang out with your friend in the morning because there's nothing they're telling you of any value. So the enter because you can get that information anywhere else. The audience is aging and it is decreasing. Will linear television go away? I'll tell you what. I would have said it's been going away and its death has been, we've talked about this a million times, its death has been prematurely stated, you know, and but I'll tell you what, fast, free, advertiser-supported streaming television, fast, which basically is just good old-fashioned linear TV over the public internet, but it's free. It's It's surging in popularity, and either that's convenience or or cost which is you know as long as you've got an internet connection you, you can you can watch it so the idea that that these news programs are somehow irrelevant seems to not be right it goes against any common sense that you'd go to the internet for this old-fashioned linear appointment-based nonsense and it also seems that you can get the information you need off a of social way better way better the thing that i always found interesting is that when a real-time event happens social media will tell you about it but you don't really 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 understand it till a tv crew gets there or right, something really bad happens when when either the freelancer gets there and and lights up their satellite connection or their internet connection or uh, one of the remote trucks gets to the big fire sure. gets to the whatever the disaster is like local TV still, even though their budgets have been cut and they only maybe have one truck or a pool truck or a pool camera. When you need that, when you need eyes on that, that's where they shine every other time, Seth. It's, I hate to say it complete nonsense. Well, but that's the thing. Like how do you sustain it for that one random day where, you know, there's a hurricane coming and you need it. Well, and then, of course, do, and, and then of course, my the memo to all the networks, stop putting your reporters out on the beach during a hurricane. Stop. Just stop. Oh, it's it, so fun. Oh, come on. These people the guy are with thunder life snow? and limb. Who is the guy with thundersnow? The, the, the stupidest channel? thing I've ever seen. Uh, makes good television, Seth. It's good visuals. The wind blowing fiercely and sheets of rain and... Yeah, it makes good television. Look, TV, the did other thing is not... you see in Florida the local TV anchor that rescued the woman from a flooded street? I she didn't. stuck but... in her car. That's yeah, amazing. there was this guy. Uh, he was doing his live shot, and he saw this woman was stuck in her car. She couldn't open her car door. And anyway. so he, he reached in to pull her out. He put her on his like his back, like carried her piggyback, and they walked to you know someplace where they could do where she could stand. Wow. And, and then the guy, as he's doing it, he looks at his cameraman and he goes, you're rolling, right? Oh, great. <laughs> Welcome to the mentality. Look, I got to say, the average reporter would have just pointed the camera and said, look, that woman's about to drown as opposed to going to save yeah. her. So he actually I, tried to help. Yeah, I, I you got to give kudos and applause for at least trying to help because the average reporter would have just pointed the camera gun. That's unfortunate. Well, so I remember, I remember during the uh, the protests after. I'm kidding, George by Floyd. the way. Don't send hate mail. No. I'm sorry. 
Uh, I remember the protests after uh, George Floyd. Uh, there was a CNN reporter uh, that got assaulted uh, while yeah. he was trying to cover that. You remember that the, the, during yeah, the yeah. protests, and there was a CNN, and he became the story. So let's let's just break this down really quickly. There's a difference, Seth, between a reporter and a journalist. And there are frontline journalists. There are people who will risk life and limb so that they can bring what they believe is the truth to the public. And these are the kinds of reporters who go into front lines and they are in harm's way and they'll put themselves in harm's way. It's not the stunting weather guy who's standing in what looks like torrential downpours with 50 mile an hour winds or 100 mile an hour winds. But they also... We've never heard of any one of those individuals being injured and or dying or any of that. It's not no, because they're not actually in harm's way. They're making good television. But you go to the front lines in, in a forward area where there is an armed conflict, you, your life is in danger. And if you want that truth out there and that's what's important to you, that level of journalism we don't see very much anymore. We just don't because that's really hard to do. Uh, and even when we see someone now uh, reporting from Ukraine, they're not at the front lines with the Ukrainian army. They are, I'm not going to say they're safe, but they're safer than they would be yeah, yeah. than the reporters who, let's say, were, were covering other armed conflicts in history where we know the reporters have been have been killed and injured. So uh, reporters don't don't want to get killed or injured, but they do want the, the, the truth out there. I should say journalists. And then, then there's a whole other class of reporter who have, who have devolved, I hate to say, and look, you and I both teach at Syracuse in the Newhouse School. And that is one of the finest schools of public communications and journalism in the United States. The students are magnificent, and we try to teach critical thinking and critical viewing and uh, evidence-based reporting and who, what, why, where, when, and how with all this little bias as you can put in there. But you know, and I know, that there's there's there are facts which are somewhat emotionally unsatisfying, and then there's opinion which get people going, whether it's left or right or center or whatever – somebody's going to have a differing opinion and that conflict drives the story and drives interest in the story. And so we're in this terrible spiral, this vortex, this incredibly, incredibly stable system where if I say, well, that was a great looking prize cow at the fair, Seth, what do you think? Yeah, that was a handsome looking cow. That cow is amazing. It was, wait, can cows be handsome? We have a funny little discussion about cows are girls and female, and you know, I just said handsome, and you know, we could go back and forth about all that. That's going to get zero ratings. If I say prize cow at the fair was ge- genetically modified, and I think it's unfair that that cow won the thing, and now you go, well, wait, GMO, we've been, na- and now we have a, like, we have a fight about, you know, some, everybody's going to weigh in. So which angle, are you same prize cow story, which way are you going to couch it? You're going to couch it as clickbait as best you can because you've got a PL, profit and loss statement. You are a for profit news organization, and your job is to get as many people to pay attention to your story as possible. So it's like, and if you and if you don't like that story, and the cow's not genetically modified, it was just cow was unfairly uh, uh, tied up for, for nine hours. They left this poor cow in the sun tied to a stake while everybody ogled at it. Uh, how cruel to animals. It's like, it was a prize cow. The cow was fine. It was chewing on the grass, having a grand old time, and everybody was petting it. And they'll see a little kid's like, no, it's cruel to the, I mean, that is a better story than look at the prize cow. Yeah, she's adorable. Oh my goodness. And I've never seen black and white uh, patches on a cow that were as aesthetically pleasing. I, you, like, how are you going to cover that story? And especially when you send an actual journalist who's being 
scored by how good their social media reactions are like well oh how many people retweeted you know you're getting a social media score from your boss did did you inspire people to comment and post and do whatever how are you going to cover the story and then what's your editor going to let you do so yeah we're in a terrible place and and i think one of the most unfortunate totally unfortunate things about living in our mass mediated culture across the board is that it is very, very easy to let others think for you without knowing you're letting other people right. think for you. It's not that you're willingly doing it. No. You watch something, you go, okay, because you trust the source. And when the source presses the envelope because it's got another alternative, which is to either get a bigger audience or do whatever it's trying to do, or maybe it has a political motive. I, it doesn't matter what their motive is. If you generally trust that source and it and it abuses that trust, and but you don't really know it's been abused, that that's what's happening here. And so the overall impression, the overall impression is that the world is less safe today than it was last year. It's not true. This is what it, every year. Right. True. Technology marches on. We get better at everything, you know, le less vehicle deaths, less uh, uh, medical deaths, less everything. Everybody is is objectively safer today in an objectively more peaceful world, Ukraine conflict notwithstanding. But that's not the way the news would have you do it. And if you don't think that statement I just made is true, I beg you, spend 10 minutes on Google. Go to uh, go to one of the statistics sites. Go to Pew Research. Go to anywhere where there is academically rigorous uh, work and surveys and research being done about food safety, vehicle deaths, medical uh, deaths, COVID notwithstanding, it's on and on and on. Just go down every list of things that you believe make a crime statistics. And you will see very quickly, very quickly, that what we're being reported, what is being reported is just, and I'll give you a, a perfect example. I know we got to get out of here, but I'll give you a perfect example. So if you have, if you are a barbecue fan, and I am a barbecue fan, you are four you have a 4.3% greater uh, risk of dying from colorectal cancer than if you're not a fan of eating barbecued meats now this is a stat that's been out for a long time some statistics came out that said i saw stories a year ago you're 15% more likely I'm sorry, that's if you're a straight meat eater, not a barbecued meat eater, just a good old-fashioned meat eater. I want to make sure that I report this properly. You have a 4.3% chance of dying from colorectal cancer. I don't know what the baseline is for if you're not a meat eater, like if you're a vegetarian. I don't know the baseline. There was a report that came out that said you're 15% more likely to die of colorectal cancer if you eat barbecue, if you're a barbecue fan. And I was like, wow, that seems amazingly harsh. What it turned out is that you were 15% more likely four point on the 4.3%. So if you, it became your 4.3 went to call it 4.6, 4.8, whatever it was to, to, and so you could ask yourself, um, look, AS, it is a 15% increase in my risk, but not a 15% risk of dying. It's not like 15% of the time, somebody who eats, you know, barbecue that. is going to drop dead from colorectal cancer. This is like, in your normal risk as a meat eater, 
it you become 15% more likely based on your existing risk, but nobody reported it that way. And so like you, you get, yes, they weren't lying, but they twisted the statistic to, to sound horrifying. And then it was up to you to go and figure out, you know, what, uh, what that actually meant. And I don't know, to me, it's like journalists do that all the time, literally all the time. And I think that's unfair to every. It's unfair to everybody. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, four point three to four point what would it be like fifteen percent, four point six. Can't do it in my head. Six four four point. Yeah, four point three plus fifteen percent would be something like four point six and change. I can't do it in my head. Um, four point six four something. I'm, I can't do the other decimal. But like, yeah, that's okay. But if you were at four point three to four point six, and you decide you like to have smoked uh spare ribs like i like to make on the weekends or i like to barbecue a steak you know and sear it in the pizza oven i mean come on man like, i'll take that risk yeah. but if i was 15 percent more likely to die i definitely would never barbecue another steak for the rest of my life so it's like i don't know that's that's the tv business we're in that's the news business we're in and i blame you seth i fully blame you that's right well, we are uh, molding the next great uh, journalist to be on shows that less and less people are watching all the time. And you know the old expression, if the tree falls in the forest, no one's there to hear it. Don't worry, the news will report it. <laughs> <laughs>